And that's typically what you have to do with going after capital. People want you to know somebody who knows somebody. And I didn't know anybody. I didn't. And that's part of the, the thing that keeps many black and brown founders away from these networks because we don't have the network. We don't know anybody that's raised money. So there's nobody that can even introduce us to people who can give us money, right? So I cold called everybody, child. Every one of my funders, every one of them was a cold call. I had warm intros from some friends that I was able to reach out to and they were kind enough to, to help me get in front of folks. But the folks who actually wrote the checks were cold calls for me. So that just goes to show that you can do it, but you have to be on it. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pele, and welcome to episode 171 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for their business success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. Today's guest, Kimba Williams, and her co-founder, board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Barb, met on a cruise. They got to talking and discovered that even though they could find non-toxic alternatives for everything from shampoo to body lotion, they struggled to find natural options for their feminine health and hygiene products. After the cruise, they decided to team up and worked with a chemist to develop Couché, a line of non-toxic natural feminine health and hygiene solutions that support women from menstruation to menopause. Four years later, they've raised a $1.25 million seed round and are available at Whole Foods, Wegmans, and Amazon. In this episode, Kimba not only shares the story of how they built Couché, but also dives into the details of their fundraising process. Before we hear the rest of Kimba's story, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to audio podcasts. This will help to spread the word about our show so amazing stories like Kimba's can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off-script with the CEO of Couché, Kimba Williams. Kimba Williams, welcome to She's Off-Script. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Sewa. Thank you so much for having me. So for anyone who hasn't come across you or Couché, could you share who you are and what you do? I mean, do we have time? No. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty. I'm all the things. No. So, um, so of course, I'm Kimba Williams. I am the CEO and co-founder of Couché. Uh, mm -hmm. My co-founder is a board-certified OBGYN, which is what makes Couché the first and only doctor-formulated and diva-approved <laughs> natural care formulation for feminine health and hygiene. We sell products that are made to elevate women's hygiene routine or introduce them into making sure that they even have a routine. Many women don't have a feminine health and hygiene routine. So mm -hmm. we're educating, um, we're encouraging, and we're empowering women to sort of take their feminine health and hygiene by storm. Uh, and we feel like Couché they're all our all natural formulas and the fact that we use amazing plant-based products is one of the best if not the best option out there so that's how did you I get know. into this field how did you get into the non-toxic feminine hygiene field that's a good question because i have to say that i never imagined i'd be in the business of vaginas like just that didn't happen you know <laughs> by chance and and of course all things happen you know purposefully i really believe that so uh, so a couple of things happened. I have always wanted to start a business. So I've always been very mm -hmm. entrepreneurial. I remember back in college, um, a roommate of mine who's actually from Ghana, I know that's your home homeland. Um, she and I wanted to start a laundromat. So we're like, oh my gosh, kids, me, you know, these students need to wash their laundry. We should totally start a laundromat. Anyway, that didn't work out. <laughs> we didn't have the capital. We didn't know yeah. what we were really doing. It's fine. But that was sort of like the beginning of me really looking at being an entrepreneur. I ended up going to business school um, and really understanding sort of the, the traditional and sort of, I guess, the book, you know, side of things. Um, mm -hmm. And then started from there, started working on different, you know, everybody's into little itsy bitsy travel businesses and whatever I could get my hands on to really get a, a, a you know, a feel for what is it like to market to people? How do people resonate to messages? You know, what does it mean to provide excellent service? Because for me, it's about Black excellence, right? And so mm -hmm. um, I'm a graduate of Spelman. So shout out to my Spelmanite sisters. And um, and there was nobody else leading but the Black women. So I, was, I knew that I would be in a position of leadership. I just didn't know what. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but as I started my career in sales and marketing to sort of learn on somebody else's time and dimes, when wise shared that with me, whatever you're interested in doing, try to do it on somebody else's time and dime so that you learn, you get exposure, you get experience. And then when you're ready, you can launch, right? With this whole mm. sort of tailwind behind you and, and you're ready to start. Um, so I was in the pharmaceutical career. I was always in sales outside. So I was always in my car, running around to different offices, clients. And I felt like after a while, as I got older, as I became a mom, this whole feminine health and hygiene thing was doing its own thing, right? It was like, and if you guys remember Sesame Street, I'm, I'm an oldie but goodie. They used to have this little song that said, one of these things is doing her own thing. Girl, that was me. <laughs> so I was like, mm, I feel like I'm getting marinated in my own juices by like half day. I'm out mm. here and I live in South Florida. So it's amazing and we love it, but it's hot. And so running right around in business professional clothing isn't always the move, right? And, you know, um, and so I started struggling myself. Like, how can I manage like sweaty parts down there? How can I manage sort of freshening up? I'm on the road. I don't have, I don't have an office dedicated bathroom. So I began to realize that the, I was being challenged. Um, and there were challenges I'd never had before. And I think it's just hormonal and being, becoming a mom, things just changed. Mm-hmm. And so as I started to ask people, I realized that people were having the same issues, but I didn't know what to do about it. Um, and I also started becoming a, a naturalista, which is how I got the whole term natural diva. Cause I'm still a bit of a diva. Um, and in a good way, it just means that I love yeah. really pretty, nice, cute, fashiony things. Um, and so I said, well, I need solutions for this feminine health and hygiene challenge, but I also want it to be natural, right? There are tons mm-hmm. of crap on the shelves, in my opinion, that just wouldn't pass the sniff test. You know, as far as I was concerned, you would look at the label and you're like, oxyhexyl next. You know what I mean? If I yeah. can pronounce it, if it was more than 13 characters, it just, it just wasn't going to fly. So I was struggling with that and I was trying to figure that out. In the meantime, I ended up meeting who's now my co-founder. Dr. Barbara McLaren, who I, we now affectionately call Dr. Barb. Of course, I just call her Barbara, but Dr. Barb. And um, we met on this girl's trip cruise. And so I just, I approached her. I was like, hey, listen, I know you're an OBGYN. I'm kind of into natural products. I'm finding everything else natural, shampoos, lotions, lipsticks, whatever. But I'm struggling mm-hmm. to find natural products with feminine health. What do you suggest? Can you help me? Um, and it was then that she shared that she was also kind of on a quest for natural products because she had been recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And Mm. so as a mom, she was 38 at the time, she was facing a double mastectomy because that was all she could do to save her own life. So she ended up going through the mastectomy and found toxins in her breast tissue that were specifically related to personal care products. So she's like, Mm. I started looking at natural products because the other things I was using almost killed me, right? Almost took my own life. And so here we were, two different women on two very different walks of life, looking for the same things, but for different reasons. And it was then that we decided, hey, listen, I'm a bit of a business guru. You're clearly a women's health expert. If we can combine the two, we can certainly create the stuff that I'm looking for selfishly and then share it with the Mm. world. (laughs) Mm. So that's essentially how I ended up, you know, taking care of women one couche at a time. That's how I got here. (laughs) And I love the name couche. And as, as And I, I know we all struggle. Some people probably struggle with what to call our female body parts, yes. right? Some people are a little bit more conservative and, you know, we want to go with the cookie and all the, but I like couche. Couche. Is, and let me, let me be clear for the audience, right? Because everybody, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's going to be listening. We're grown and sexy. We're adults. We literally took the word coochie and just made it mm-hmm. fancy. Like, don't overthink it. Just don't, right? <laughs> that's all we did. And it was just a brainstorming session. We threw up some words. And Dr. Barb was like, okay, I see you have like, you know, punani and vagina. We had everything because I'm Jamaican. So you have to have the Jamaican version of pom pom. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we had all the versions. And um, and so she looked at Coochie. She's like, well, we can't call it that. I'm like, I know, but let's just start generating some ideas because we wanted to be very, we wanted it to be very evident as to what the, co- you know, the company was about, but without being too crass and too offensive. Mm-hmm. And so she goes, well, you know how they do Target like Target, maybe we could do that with Kochi. And I was like, ha ha, ta-da. And there you have it. We lost it. We were just like doing the dance of joy, you know, the little church, you know, dance. Child, we were doing all the things. So 
I love the name though, because I think it resonates and it just rolls off your your tongue. But in learning about your story though, I saw that you were working in pharmaceuticals for a long time, but around the same time, you also started to have challenges with your career, which ultimately led you to go full-time into Couchet. So maybe you could share a little bit about that journey with us. Yes. You know what? I'm so glad you asked because, you know, Petty, the Petty LaBelle in me, you know, wants to have this like amazing LinkedIn post, like shout out to my haters that didn't think, you know, corporate (laughs) career was for me. And I'm like, anyway, now that I'm making millions of dollars, it's great. Um, But it's just, it's not even, it's not even about them, right? It, It never has been. It really was about, for me personally, God moving me into the direction I need to be in. And it got really uncomfortable in order for me to get here. And Mm. so, you know, I spent my entire career, you know, in sales, in rooms where I was the only black woman, in uh, divisions where I was the only black woman, in companies where I was the only black woman, you know, as, as far as sales was concerned. So that's huge departments across the country. And I'm the only one. And so, of course, again, Spellman, um, and shout out to my mom, who's fiercely independent Jamaican woman, like you don't even want to go there with her, right? She's a doll. Um, she and, of course, my just my career at Spellman just really shaped me to, again, just become the fierce, independent, amazing leader that I am today. And so I knew that being uncomfortable in rooms was going to be a thing. So, but mm-hmm. as I progressed in my career... Uh, it just, it just got tougher. And I, it just, it was, it boggled me that I had such an amazing track work, track record. I mean, award-winning, all of the things I would only get chosen because I was such the epitome of like all that they were looking for. You know, you own your own geography after a point. So if you were looking for a woman who specialized and I was in the cardiovascular unit, specialized in cardiovascular medicine in Florida, it was me right? It was me. Mm. Uh, and so, right, you know, great relationships with, you know, clients and things like that, but it just became harder. And I didn't understand why I think is as I walked up that ladder, climbed up that ladder, like grappled up the ladder, um, you know, there are far and fewer of us, the higher you go. So as I was climbing my career, there were no more black and browns to be seen. And I think that's why I was now amongst more of who are now the new minority. And it was, it was almost like, you know, Justice's, you know, Justice Katanji Brown Jackson's journey of having to prove yourself, even though you've checked every box and then some. Mm-hmm. And it was like, guys, I've been here too long for you guys to consider the fact that I don't, that I'm not, that I don't belong here, that this room is not for me. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, you know, just the harder and harder it got, the more and more I poured into my business. I was like, I gotta get out of here because you guys have no idea. Um, and it's funny when I left, I left on January 1st of 2018, like, you know, wrote this whole letter, like happy new year. I'm leaving kick rocks. Uh, <laughs> I ended up going back a year later. Cause I was blowing through my savings, blowing through all my money. I was like, Oh no, I'm about to be totally broke. Let me go back and like work, work a little bit. Girl, I lasted mm. four months and they tried to fire me. I was like, let me go. Oh man. <laughs> so that's when, you know, you, I had this 20 plus something career And I go back and in four months, I'm like, I just, I can't do this. I cannot Mm. answer your email about some dumbass report that I don't want to do because I'm literally trying to work on my business right now. And I know that's where I need to be. And I couldn't, I just, I couldn't even perform the way I wanted to because God was like, this is not where you need to be. So I need to make it real difficult and real uncomfortable. Mm. I need you to move. Right. And so just a, just a, a word of advice or just a piece of you know, something that I want to share with everyone is that when it gets really uncomfortable, it might be the sign that it's time to move. And, and you, you'll know, and it really takes courage and a hell of a ton of faith to make that leap. It was the scariest decision of my entire life, like bawling, crying tears, like really God, are we doing this? Um, but here we are. And I would have never known it, right. Had I not taken the leap. So I encourage everyone who's curious um, about this journey. It is not for everyone, but it is. Worth but it. somehow here you are yeah. and you're succeeding. And really, that's what we would like to learn from yeah. today. So now you mentioned that your co-founder, Dr. Barb, is a board certified OBGYN. Yes. But while she's an OBGYN, she's not necessarily a chemist. So right. which products did you guys start with when you first launched? And 
I just wonder what was your process for formulating and testing everything? Yeah. So we knew what our strengths were and we also knew mm-hmm. what they were not. Yeah. <laughs> and Plus you're things- dealing with people's vaginas. <laughs> exactly. So you want to make sure you're coming out with something good. Her, exactly. And so we never, so first of all, she's got a medical license that's on the line, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then we also wanted to be really sensitive about the fact that women's vaginas are sensitive to begin with. So we yeah. never, ever, ever assumed that we could mix baking powder with some water in a kitchen. Like we're not doing that. We're not about that life. I put away your pots, save that for your curry chicken or whatever it is you want to eat. Cause no, we love a curry. Do that. But we always, always, always had professionals on board. So from the beginning, we talked about a, what are some of the products that your patients are looking for? What are the common complaints that women keep coming to you for that you can't write a prescription for, right? That's always a challenge. There's nothing, Mm. you know, medicinally or medically wrong. It's just, I'm a sweaty Betty, right? And I just need something that's going to prevent the odors. Like that's not a prescription, Mm -hmm. that's something else, but there was nothing else. And so we talked about the challenges that we had personally as women, which is helpful, right? Because she experienced problems uh, as a woman herself. She was like, you know, I wish we had this because in, in her favorite product, her baby product was the balm because it helps with chafing between the thighs. And so mm. Dr. Barb is an amazingly curvy girl. And she's like, baby, these thighs are high-fiving and I don't need to be doing that, you know? <laughs> so we're like, we're going to figure that out. So that's, you know, product number one. Mm. Um, we said we knew we needed a wash. Women are always looking for things that won't burn them down there, won't dry them out. So that was really like product number one. Um, I needed this deodorant spray. So I was like, I cannot be out here marinating in my own juices. And everybody knows that. Like, that's just not a thing. So yeah. we had to come mm-hmm. up with that. And then the other one was just ingrowns. You know, some of us are shavers. Some of us are trimmers down there. But you want to keep your pretty, you know, your kitty pretty. And these bumps are just not helping anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not something that you can usually get around. So we wanted to create something for that as well. So we literally just looked at patients, you know, um, challenges, our own personal challenges, and decided to onboard both chemists and the natural practitioners. So folks who would understand the botanical side, the plant-based side of things, and then folks who would understand how to put it all together without mm. burning somebody's vagina off. And that that's how we worked it out. <laughs> and what was the testing process like? So the testing product was, <laughs> process was interesting. We trusted our team. And so we tested them ourselves, then of gave course. them to friends and family. So I was like, mm-hmm. baby, if this vagina burns off, I'm in trouble. <laughs> But, you know, you have to trust the process, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so part of that is putting yourself in the shoes of who would be a consumer. Um, Because if I'm not going to use it and if I'm afraid, then what do I think is going to be the energy from a consumer, right? So we just, we jumped in and we were, every day it was like, can't wait to take a shower so I can try blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So it was like running home and showering and hurrying up and trying things and wondering if it was going to like sting or burn or itch. And so that's what it was. And then once we felt comfortable, we would share it with um, our friends, our family, and anybody who else, you know, anybody who loved and supported us and were willing to try. Because we knew now that it was not going to burn you or whatever, you know. So so that's what mm-hmm. that looked like. So it was interesting, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So now that you had solid products, how and where did you go about selling them? Because clearly, spoiler alert, you've been very successful. <laughs> so how did you start out selling them? You know what? And it's funny. I was just reading something that says, you know, what works for you won't always work for everybody else, which is so true. true. So what worked for mm-hmm. us when we launched in 2018 was going to consumer expos, setting up a little janky six foot table with our little tablecloth that said couche and literally selling bottle by bottle, woman to woman, eyeball to eyeball, creating a fun and energetic environment just in, you know, expo spaces. Um, mm. We kind of tended to target natural hair places because we felt like, you know, people who are into natural hair products have already made the leap to why natural products matter. So mm. what we now have to convince them about is, and what we would say, natural hair, what about down there, right? So it's like you mm. started at the top, you know, now we're here. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> so we gotta, mm-hmm. we gotta have this conversation. And so we would just cut, and I'm like the queen of monikers. So I would just come up with something and we're like, okay, this is going to be the moniker for the show. Let's see it. And then we were also market testing. Like, what were some of the things we said that made people come over? Did they laugh? Did they walk away? Were they offended? Da, da, da. So we used it as market testing environment. And then also literally just talk to women one by one. Hey, we've got this product. You know, what are those challenges you're having? 
and we said the name first, people would giggle and then they would pull it in, right? They would pull in and would be willing to have a conversation because you can't just attack somebody and be like, hey, let's right. talk about your vagina real quick. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. first of all, I don't even know. I you. don't even know you like that. <laughs> like you're all my business. I need you to back up six feet. So at the time, of course, there was no COVID. Um, mm-hmm. There was no masks. So we could smile and laugh and people, you know, felt invited. They felt welcome. Um, we were like, listen, we have a doctor. So this is nothing outside of her purview. So if you don't feel comfortable, talk to doc. And so mm-hmm. I think it's because of the credibility um, and they, you know, they could easily Google her and realize that she was this, that, and that. So they could verify the information. We're not just two people brewing up potions in our kitchen uh, and right. no shade, but again, credibility is everything. I think in this particular industry, you can't really trust you know, your most sensitive parts to just anyone. Um, right. That's how we started woman to woman. And I loved it. It was so great because the things we would hear would now go into our copy on the website, right? Would now go into our FAQs, would now go into exactly. reviews. We're like, please put that on a review because we needed to hear the voice of the people. So that's how we started. Um, and then it took us about two years to get into a major retailer uh, and that was Whole Foods. So shout out to Whole Foods Market. Uh, We started in over 30 stores with them and we're continuing to grow now, which is amazing. Um, So how did you make the leap from Expos to Whole Foods? And did you do e-commerce in between? Yes. So, oh, did I skip that? Yeah. So it was Expos and then Mm -hmm. from day one, it was always e-commerce. But the crazy part about e-commerce is that, of course, we really couldn't afford the Facebook ads. They were super, to us, they were super expensive back in the day because we weren't making any money at first. So we would use the Expos as sort of our sort of lead, right? Our lead generator. Mm -hmm. And then of course, encourage women with coupons at the expos to come back to repurchase or to even just purchase for the first time once they had a chance to sort of do the research and read a little bit more because people aren't always going to be comfortable with testing that ground, right? Mm -hmm. Testing that area. Um, And so those were our lead generators, right? Uh, The expos. So it was where we would do the first sales and how we would encourage people to learn more about Couchet. Um, And so the, the website was always running. And we would get so excited. We would have one order, five orders. We we're like, oh my gosh, we have five orders today. It's so fantastic. You know? <laughs> now we have a whole team and it's like, if we have five orders, we're like, go pack it up. Something's not right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we just, we celebrated the small wins, but yeah. So mm. we use that as the lead generator for the most part. Um, and then just stock the hell out of Whole Foods. That's kind of how we did it. You know, they didn't know us from Adam, but I would email and stalk people on LinkedIn and, and I was, and I would just be like, Hey girl, remember we met at that one convention girl I was making up all the stories. She'd be like, yeah, girl, like, yeah, girl. You know? <laughs> Cause people are ashamed to say they don't remember you. And so mm. I just used human behavior kind of, you know, to my advantage. And um, who were you emailing though? What was the job title? Not necessarily the individual. Um, so we were looking for all the buyers, right? So just any buyer uh, in our region. And we didn't understand mm. sort of how, you know, the, the whole foods was, um, how they relegated their different regions. And I was just girl throwing stuff against the wall, literally. Um, and just kept stalking them LinkedIn. And then, then finally she gave me the email. I was like, yes. And then I got me you to know, moved her over the email. So it was just a lot, a, lot, a lot of LinkedIn stalking, I would say, but, um, you do what you have to do. And so of course, once we got on the map with them then people were like, Oh, okay, couche, you know, what's up. Yeah. Um, and so, and we've, I can't even announce it just yet, but we just landed another very large retailer. Um, so we'll be in over a hundred doors in the next couple of months. So we're really excited about that. So things have been rocking and rolling. We've been, you know, featured in a number of publications, Vogue, uh, Essence, uh, Forbes, which was a a huge one for us the other day. So, so yeah, so thank you for your kind words and and yes, it's been a journey, but it's been a great one. So in also reading some of the articles you've you've had out, I think I saw that you were year over year tripling and doubling your revenue. Yeah. And first of all, congratulations, because that is some great growth. But to what do you owe that growth, do you think? You know, there's a couple of things. I think it's fearlessness around failure. So for mm. me... I was unafraid to fail because I didn't think failure was an option. So the fact that I am responsible for the direction and the day-to-day operations of the company meant that if I made a decision, it needed to fly, right? Mm -hmm. If I made the wrong decision, then we could crash (laughs) and burn. (laughs) You don't want to crash and burn. Um, And so you really have to trust yourself as a leader. Um, And whether you have a 
small team. I had a team of one at the time. I had one other employee in the beginning. First, it was just me and then it was her. And now there's, you know, a number of us. We're in double digits now. But um, I think trusting your ability as a leader, um, being unafraid to fail, because if you, people mm -hmm. always say this and it's true, if you can fail fast and you can learn and you can move forward, right? Learn something and certainly move forward. Right. Um, and I think it was listening and being really, 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 really about the consumer. We made every woman that bought Coucher our priority. And people will say, I mean, from a customer service perspective, like we kick ass. We're not, I'm not even going to take any shade or anything from that. We kick ass. Mm. Um, and I really got that model from Zappos. I don't know if you remember Zappos of the shoe yeah, company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they would constantly say that they were a customer service company who happened to sell shoes. And I was like, you know what? That's who we're going to be. We're going to be a customer service company that just happens to want to make sure your couche is okay, right? Mm -hmm. Because without that, you might have a great product, but people will not continue to come back. They won't talk about you. They won't share mm -hmm. couche. They, it, it just, it dies there. And this is such yeah. a difficult topic. It's hard to even do ads. We get kicked out by Facebook all the time because they think that our stuff is too sexually explicit, right? We can't show yeah. pictures of crotches. I mean, there's so many guardrails around us that we have to rely on our consumers to sort of do a lot of the work, a lot mm -hmm. of the heavy lifting sometimes. So without them, you know, we don't, we don't exist. And that's for any business, of course, without your consumers, they don't exist. But our repeat rate is ridiculous. Um, and so we know that we're doing a hell of a good job. We happen to have the right product at the right time with the right level of service. And so I think making your consumer the priority wins every time because they'll tell you, A, what they need. We've developed new products because of our consumers' concerns, new additional challenges that we didn't think about, you know, questions, comments. Um, we've changed the way we've done business because, of, you know, what, you know, consumers' feedback has been. So if you make them the priority, they'll help you because if they need it, you know, you build it, they'll come. It's essentially exactly. the truth. Yeah. So, so that's exactly. That. And I like the way you said you focused on customer service because as you grow and especially if you grow too quickly, mm -hmm. it sometimes impacts logistics It impacts your operations. So how have you been able to keep all of that at a high level as you've grown? Right. I think it starts from the very first time you get, you receive a couche package. So it's different. Mm. I mean, we ship our products in pink boxes, right? In this Amazon age, people are just so used to getting Amazon brown boxes. You open it up. It might be a little piece of tissue in there. And then it's just, it, there's no razzmajazz. There's no razzle dazzle. There's nothing. So we started with the experience. We're like, from day one, you have to be like, okay, couche. Like, it needs to be okay, couche. It needs to be a startling mm. experience for the better, right? So we're going to start with giving you experience that you don't even expect. Nobody expects that. People expect these, you know, post office boxes that are free and that it just is what it is. So we, we start with making the first time you experience couche an amazing one. And then we just keep it going. Every answer, every question you might have that gets emailed into us, we have at least a 24 hour turnaround, if not the same day, right? Depending on what day it is. We don't, we're, mm. our folks are not there on the weekends. Um, so every, again, everybody's a priority. Every issue, whether it's my package is lost, I can't find this or something happened to this. We take care of our consumers, right? We really just do. Something happens to your package is damaged, we'll replace it. We have no problems with that. It is going mm. to be less expensive for me to fix it and make it right than it would be to lose you. We can't, you know, we don't yeah. want to lose anybody because once you're in, you're coming back. We already know that. We got you. We got you. We just nice. have to make it special. And on the end of the day, we're women, right? So it's like, what would I expect? What would I want? Particularly mm -hmm. when mistakes were made, right? We're humans. And, you know, we make mistakes too. Maybe you, you ordered two. Maybe you got the one. But we will always acknowledge, correct it, and then, and then do a little bit more for you. Like, hey, that was our mistake. Here's your product. And maybe here's something in additional to just, to just make sure you know that you are our priority. And there's nothing mm -hmm. that we won't do to make sure that you're satisfied you know, end of story. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, it's just, that's, that's the difference. I think because we, we give a crap <laughs> from beginning mm -hmm. to end. Right. And we hope that it never ends. We hope that this lifetime journey is one that we can share with them, you know, for a long, long time. You mentioned the custom packaging. I wonder if you, you were impacted by some of the supply chain issues that we continue to see happening over the last couple of years. 
Yeah, we were, but you know, we we haven't had and knock on wood, where's the wood? <laughs> we haven't had much issue with the um the cartons, so the the custom boxes. Um, mm -hmm. and you'll either get a pink box that's custom or you'll get a white box with a custom sticker. So somewhere on the box is gonna be a couche something, a logo, which is really cute. Mm -hmm. But we did have severe challenges when it came to packaging. So the actual bottles and pumps, we just we couldn't get them. We couldn't source them, we couldn't find I mean, it was just that's where we ran into problems, which meant that you know, regardless of what box it was in, we couldn't even give you a product because we had all of our potions and lotions are made here in the U.S., which is fantastic. And we're really proud about that. Um, so we can just keep an eye on manufacturing and we know that all the quality, you know, the ingredients are of quality. Um, but what we didn't have was something to put it in, right? So we're like, we got all this juice, mm -hmm. but we got nothing, you know? And so yeah. it was a challenge. I mean, we were, you know, we didn't make our our goal uh, in, what was that, 2021, because of it, you know, we still, you know, we're two and a half times our revenue, which was great, but we wanted more, right? We wanted it to be like three and a half times, but um, we were out of packaging for about three and a half to four months. I mean, it was crazy, oh, wow. but I will tell you, there's a whole lemons to lemonade story behind that really quickly that, so for our primary product, which is the feminine wash, of course, like I said, everything's made here. We couldn't source the bottle and the pump and our bottle is cute and sexy. It's a shame I don't have one in front of me, but it's a bell curve bottle with a custom pink top. It's super cute. Um, but that was out of the question. <laughs> mm. And so it allowed me to sort of think outside of the box because I was like, we've got to get product to consumers. I mean, we had a, you know, a pre-order list that was thousands. I mean, it was ridiculous. And we were like, oh God, oh. the pre-order list is not working out. <laughs> and, um, and so I was able to find a sustainable solution here in the U.S. Um, so we recreated the first sustainable refill packaging for our wash product. So now there's mm. a beautiful pouch that can fold down to the size of a half dollar that comes with the same amount or a little bit more liquid than the pump. So now that you buy one pump one time and then every recurring order, you can just buy the pouch. So we're not wasting the plastic. We're making use of what used to be a single use bottle, which is no longer the case. And we're also you know, being really, really earth friendly from a landfills perspective. Mm -hmm. So because of the challenges, we actually made some, some really, really good headway into that. And we're the only ones in the feminine health and hygiene space doing anything around refill packaging, which is phenomenal. So we, it created innovation because of a problem. And that's typically where innovation comes from. So exactly. I'm proud that we were able to like cry for two seconds and then figure it out. Cause that's, that's really what I'm about. I'm like, okay, let's, let's figure this out. Like we're going to, mm -hmm. we're going to make it work. That's my whole thing. We're going to make it work. <laughs> and there's so many stories out of the past few years that have come out because people's backs were against the walls and they had to figure out what do I do? Right. And that's when you get the most creative. So thank you for sharing that side story yeah, with us. Sure. So for a lot of businesses though, going into larger retailers, can increase their visibility, but it also decreases their margins and as a result, their profit. Yeah. So for you, how has your profitability changed now that you're in more retailers versus just selling on e-commerce? Yeah, so e-commerce is definitely our most profitable channel, mm. of course. Um, and then it's where we have more control, right? So mm. um, anytime you add a retailer in the mix, what digs into your profitability is two things. You're probably working with a broker, sometimes not. So sometimes you are. With some of our retailers, we do not. Some of them we do just because it's hard not to get to some of these folks without somebody that can you know, talk on your behalf. So that's what the brokers are for. Uh, so now they have to get a cut. And then typically to get distribution of your product, you now have to get a distribution company who will also take a cut. So in order for me to get to, let, let's say like a Whole Foods, I may have to have a broker who gets some. Then we go through a distribution company who gets some mm. and then over to Whole Foods, who also wants some because they need to make money as well, right? So you're talking about your profitability and our profitability went down probably about 40% from e-commerce mm. to, to retail. But I will say that we're, we still are profitable in retail and mm. it's because we are a premium product. Um, you know, it's not, we're not gross groceries, a little harder. Like you buy a can of beans for 50 cents. I have no idea of how anybody's making any money on beans, but I guess they are. Maybe volume. <laughs> it's volume, exactly. Mm. You might make the yeah. penny, but you're selling millions. So there goes your, you know, your money. Um, but as a premium product and sort of like this whole body or you know, women's natural section, we we are able to command a higher price. Um, it's backed by the fact that we are a physician's formula. So that also mm -hmm. dictates the fact that we're a little bit more premium 
Uh, and then we have premium ingredients. So all of that allows us to have a little bit more of a cushion, but still being able to get it to, you know, our consumers at an affordable price without really going too high and too crazy. Because that's always the rub with natural products. You know, how much more will you pay? Um, but here's what I say to people all the time. You're going to pay now for either really yeah. good products or you're going to pay later, unfortunately, sometimes with your own health. Right. And so right. that is really up to, to women to make that decision. And, um, and I think they'll, they'll pay now, you know, with Couché. So, you know, I 100% <laughs> agree. Cause there's some things that at my age, I don't play around right. with, I will pay the money. <laughs> right. Right. And we find money for what we need. Right. It's, it's crazy exactly. that women look amazing nails done you know hair did nails did all of this mm -hmm. and I'm like mm -hmm. okay baby so basically you're you know you will find the money for what you want and so exactly we, our job is to educate you to the point where you may want something like a couche and I think that if you understand what's happening to your body and you have challenges mm -hmm. you'll realize that couche is an amazing amazing option um and probably the best so yeah, I, I love to hear it. And I love to hear even more that you are profitable because a lot of companies in the CPG, the consumer packaged goods space, aren't profitable because it takes a lot of money yeah. to have inventory, yeah. especially as more and more companies want you to stock or want to stock your products. You need money in order to buy the packaging and make more product. So I know you guys raised a one point two five million dollar seed round. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so how did you, first of all, use that seed money? And are you planning on raising more? Because I know it is a challenge to go through the fundraising process. Oh, my gosh. The fundraising process, you know, I think was the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. And I've done a lot of things. Mm. You know what I mean? How so? So and let me just preface it by saying. Mm. I'll just give you guys some context. So I'm, I'm a mom. I have three boys. I'm married. I've been married for over 17 years. Um, I'm the first in my family to go to college. Of course, I was the first in many, many rooms. Like I've done some challenging things. I've traveled the world. Listen, so I've done a lot of things, fun things, but challenging things. But this baby has been the, the most challenging. And I think it's mm. because um, you're fighting an uphill battle with the numbers and the numbers don't lie, right? when they say the math ain't mathin', <laughs> it ain't mathin'. You know, it's interesting to note that Black women tend to be the largest sector of women that are creating businesses. But we are by mm -hmm. far the bottom when it comes to the number of people who are actually funding us, right? So it's like, mm -hmm. that's off. Yes. Then you're looking at the discrepancy between people who are actually writing the checks. So there are far more, you know, uh, folks, white folks, that are writing the checks that are not necessarily into supporting black businesses, then there are mm -hmm. black and brown people writing the checks. And Even more than that, your product is female focused. How many females are writing the checks? That's the trifecta. Right? So of it do all. they exactly. understand what you're, you're asking for and pitching? Exactly. So these guys, again, I think it's, I don't even know the numbers on this, but let's just say it's 90% of the funders are men. So mm -hmm. it's like feminine hygiene, what? So again, like you said, it doesn't even make sense to them. They have no like, Why idea. is that important? Can't you just use your body wash? Doesn't it flow down there? <laughs> right. They're like, Keep dub is not going to work. And I'm like, not right. the dub. <laughs> and so you have mm -hmm. the three things going on. Black women aren't getting the money. There are no black, and, you know, not no, but there are very small amounts of black and brown funders. And then we're also in a very feminine focused space with the majority of funders being men. So it was like, okay, baby, you want to climb this mountain? Are you sure? Right. But again, mm -hmm. for me, failure is not an option. Um, and I knew that women had done it. I had gone through an amazing program, which I'm so sad is doesn't even exist. Founder gym. They were fantastic. Yeah. Um, in teaching me how to talk the talk, walk the walk and really understand what it meant to raise capital and how to do it. And so I went from, January of 2021, I was like, I hate the idea of capital. I want to keep all of the business to ourselves. Nobody needs to bother us. We're doing just great bootstrapping it. Then by March, I was like, we're probably not going to make it. <laughs> because again, it was like this new year. Things are booming along. Um, again, every year we see this amazing growth. And we're like, how the heck we were outgrowing ourselves? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, and like you said, not only is the inventory monster insatiable, but so is the marketing monster. So you got these two monsters mm -hmm. constantly gobbling and you're just, you know, that one day they'll just, they'll bite off a chunk of you. Right. And then there goes the whole business. So by March, I was like, yeah, we're going to need some support. 
Um, mm-hmm. I started raising, I went through Founder Gym for about six weeks, um, finished off in May um, and started raising in May, kind of like a soft raise. Listen, I don't know, just struggled and challenged and didn't know what the hell I was doing. But by December, got my checks. So mm. funny enough, it didn't take me that long. And I was being kind to myself. I was like, listen, if it takes me a year, I'm okay with that because I've never done this before. Mm-hmm. But people were shocked that I could kind of go through all these emotions. And that's the entrepreneurial journey, right? You're like, I'm doing great. Yeah. I totally suck. I love this business. I want to get out of here. You know what I mean? It's like up and down. Yeah. So that was that whole year. Like, I hate VCs. I need some support. I love this. This is stupid. This is hard. I want to die now. Right. You're like, and I don't want to die now. But it's like, you're just, you're willing to just let it all go. You really are. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm over it. I can't do it. It's so frustrating because literally, and I've been in sales my whole career. So I'm used to taking, saying, getting no's. That doesn't bother me at all. But when it's your baby and people keep telling you no, or why does that make sense? Or I need to see more evidence. And it's like, I don't know what thousands of women who have bought this product plus all this revenue, what else do you need, right? How much more evidence? Come on, like, are you saying this to everybody or is it just me? And why, you know? And and of course, most of the times I know why, but that was the way they would say no. Well, I kind of need to see like, bruh. You know, and it's not like we had just started with an idea on a napkin. We had been at this thing Mm. for three years and that's the marker, right? You can make it past year three, the likelihood of you surviving as a company is exponentially greater. And I was like, this is year three and we're still here, you guys, like, you know, help be a part of this success story. And so I will tell you, every single funder is a black or brown funder of ours, every single one. And I noticed that and I thought it was interesting given how much capital is out there there is capital but i will tell you you are selling you first Mm. funders especially if this is your first go round they're going to like the company maybe particularly because i had evidence right i had i i could have hard data like i could open shopify Mm -hmm. be like let's plug in some numbers shopify will tell you that we're a thriving business we're growing Mm -hmm. we're scaling but they want to know that I can do it, right? They're like, well, you're the CEO, you're driving this company. Can she do mm-hmm. it? You know, does she have the passion, the drive, the expertise, the knowledge, the courage? So they have, so you got to come in with not only just bells and whistles, but the confidence to the, to the moon, right? And back. Yeah. And so, you know, me over the years, I had honed that skill through pitches. And of course I had been in sales my entire career. So this wasn't something that I just picked up overnight. No, I've been mm. selling for 20 something years, literally right. and kicking ass. You just need to help know? with the lingo. Absolutely. And just, and mm-hmm. how to be able to answer questions, turn on a dime, you know, resonate with your audience, you know, really sort of integrate them into the conversation, making it really a two-way dialogue and not just me spewing out information, being personable, being likable, you know, understanding my numbers understanding the terminology around business, you know, P&L mm-hmm. statements, this and that, unit economics. I mean, just bam, 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 bam. And, right. and if they think you're strong, even if you're, if you don't think so, if you can make them think you're strong, yeah, that's it. But you have to believe that you have to believe that you are. Otherwise it'll, it'll show, it'll be very obvious, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that we were in a pandemic and I could zoom and video everybody was great because typically you have to go fly out and meet these people, yeah, which is very costly. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. That was a, a bit of a feather in our cap, a little notch in our belt that we could do a lot of this through Zoom. But I was super intentional about going after funders who were either black or brown themselves or who were specifically and intentionally looking to support black and brown founders and or women founders. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it just so happens that our lead founder, our lead VC is both. They are black and brown women who are looking to fund mm-hmm. other black and brown women. I mean, they were the perfect fit for us. And I, it sounds like, yeah, it. listen, I was nagging them like, Hey, me again, Hey, me again, girl, me again, you know, and just went after it. Just went, no intros. And that's typically what you have to do with going after capital. People want you to know somebody who knows somebody. And I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah. And that's part of the the thing that keeps many black and brown founders away from these networks because we don't have the network. We don't know anybody that's raised money. So there's nobody that can even introduce us to people who can give us money, right? Mm-hmm. So I cold called everybody, child. Every one you of my founders- to be willing to do it. Yeah, every yeah. one of them was a cold call. I had warm intros from some friends that I was able to reach out to and they were kind enough to, to help me get in front of folks. But the folks who actually wrote the checks were cold calls for me. So that just goes to show 
that you can do it, but you have to be on it. And I was just annoying, but in a good way, like be professional. Um, but I stay persistent, persistent, mm-hmm. tenacious, courageous, and just keep going, keep going. Don't take yeah. no for an answer. Particularly when I knew they were a great fit. I was like, I'm not letting this fish go. Like there's who else can I know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's how but it it's out. interesting that you did go after people who were a fit um, not only with the kind of company you're looking to launch, but also maybe just with the vision of your of your business. Mm-hmm. Because once you have people giving you money, you have bedfellows now. Right. So could you talk through how perhaps you're navigating the dynamics of having people who now have a say in your business? You know, I will tell you that not all money is good money. I've turned mm-hmm. down, I turned down a lot of money, over $2 million worth of money. Um, and some of that has to do with valuation and not diluting, you know, our shares. And so maintaining, you know, the majority shares, both myself and Dr. Barb. So that was one thing. So of course I could have gotten all the money in the world and then owned nothing. So that was not a thing. Mm -hmm. But the other piece of it was that we realized that every funder wasn't who we wanted to be in bed with for like the next seven to 10 years, right. Or whatever that, you know, um, journey looks like, hopefully Mm -hmm. it's less than that. (laughs) I'd love five, five would be great. But, um, And so you really have to be clear. It becomes easier, of course. We had money and then folks would come around and we would talk and we were doing due diligence. And then I realized, "Eh, I don't really want you or your money because not feeling the vibe over here, right? Those are the ones who are super pesky. Um, You know, just, just, I felt like doing the most, asking you all kinds of side-eye questions. And I'm like, people just gave me all this money and didn't ask me. Just imagine how that would be day-to-day, their emails. You know, I need this. I need this. Yeah. And like people have literally deposited the money and didn't ask me half these questions. What are you doing? Like, why are you Mm -hmm. doing? And your money's less. Like, Mm. listen, big bank, take little bank. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The girlfriend used to say that. It's some kind of hip hop song, but she's like, girl, big bank, take little bank. I'm like, it's sure the hell does. Mm -hmm. Because you got little bank over here being annoying. And big bank is like, here's the money. Do your thing. We, you know, we're proud of you. Do it. And I'm like, "This, this is, this is the difference. Right. Mm -hmm. And so founders need to understand that all money is not good money. You do not want a situation where people are constantly hounding you because at the end of the day, I still have to run this business and I don't necessarily need to be bogged down with random questions. Like this is what we have, you know, quarterly updates for, this is what we have, you know, board meetings for allow me to do the job. And I get it. You want to understand what's going on, but our funders have been so kind and understand that dynamic. Um, and like I said, we do quarterly updates. And um, so they're pretty clued in as to what's going on and if they mm-hmm. reach, want to reach out. But typically they're reaching out because there's new opportunities. I'm like, hey, you should check this out. And it's mm-hmm. more about them bringing resources than it has ever been about. So what's going on with this product? You know what I mean? It's more about mm-hmm. helping with opportunities and, and making us move forward. Because if we do well, they do well. That's exactly. the kind of funder you want. Uh, and you'll know, like, I'm telling you this, this gut and sixth sense of ours is amazing. If people would just hear it and, and just yeah. be aware of it, you'll know, you'll absolutely know. Mm-hmm. And it's hard if they're the first and you're like, oh no, I really need it, but right. baby, it ain't going to be easy. So you have to weigh those yeah. things. And those are, those are really important. And you mentioned that they're there because they also want to do well. Mm-hmm. So people are giving money because they're looking for some sort of a return on their yeah. investment. And that comes when you sell. So are you open to selling your business eventually? You know, the only thing we've ever thought about was acquisition, to be honest with you. So okay. uh, Dr. Barb has daughters, but they don't seem interested. I have sons. They're definitely not interested. So it was never going to be a family business. Um, mm-hmm. And so we weren't sure that we wanted to ever IPO and that could be something that's on the table. So there could be you know, an IPO, something in our future, but we feel like there are large players that are just not in the space and not doing it the way we're doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. The larger players have always struggled with natural products and then talking to who our majority consumer is, which tends to be black women because we're black women, right? So black women yeah. tend to come because they feel like they trust us. Obviously we have that credibility with having Dr. Barb on board. Um, and you know, the black community from a health perspective has been slighted and lied to historically. Right. And so yeah. we have everything from the Tuskegee experiment and, and all the things mm. to, 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 to share and, and have evidence around, you know, large companies, governments, just using and taking advantage of the black community. 
So we tend to have a large number of black women who trust us and big companies are like, wow, they're interested in that. How are you guys doing this? Well, you know, we tend to care about them, you know, inherently we care about them because we are them. And again, we have all women and we want to support all women, but there's something about black women, of course, that will support love on and gravitate towards other black women who they know they can um, trust. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a gap in many of these large corporations, you know, pipelines and they're looking, they're looking hard. So we're like, okay, we'll write this check and we can, we can get it now. Um, (laughs) But if any opportunity like that ever came up, we would absolutely have to maintain control because what we don't want is for Touche to become another regular ass product that doesn't meet the needs of people. And that was why we existed and did well in the first place. Obviously the people have Mm -hmm. spoken, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So that would be really, really important. Otherwise it doesn't work. So we can just make our own money and just keep doing what we're doing. Right. Um, Right. And so, so yeah, so those are some possibilities and, and it's hard because the black community can, there are opportunities where people feel like it might be a sellout situation. So we are, you know, sensitive to that, but Mm -hmm. um, it's more about allowing our community to thrive in a different Mm -hmm. way, right? Um, From a generational wealth perspective. And then to, hey, if we get all this money, the next thing we want to do is to be able to fund other businesses, right? And so become the funders we were looking for. And so- Which I know some other Black companies who've been purchased have done as well. So I think that would be a great opportunity to give back. Yeah, to Mm -hmm. to now start writing the checks. And so now we can help you guys get to where we are and continue that cycle. So that's how- we feel like we can, you know, build this whole generational wealth, not just for our families, but mm-hmm. for, you know, dozens well. and hundreds of families to come, you know, the things that we, that we want to do and that we wish, you know, others can do for so many more that really need it. So, yeah. Oh, I love to hear it. So for anyone who's hearing your story and really wants to support, where can we find you? Where, where can we get your products? Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> so of course, couche.com. So couche is a little tricky to spell for the first timers but it's K-U-S-H-A-E. So couche.com. We're also on Amazon. So for those of you who just love your prime and all this and all that, you can find Couche products on Amazon as well. And they, we are prime and all the good things. Um, you can also find us in select regions of Whole Foods. So we're growing every region all the time. So um, just, just take a look and see which Whole Foods near you probably has Couche. Um, and you know, there's a spoiler alert coming, but again, we're going to be in another major retailer. So you guys keep an eye on our Instagram. We'll be making announcements. Uh, our Instagram handle is at the real couche. So, you know, you do your little at symbol and then it's the real mm-hmm. couche. Okay. Not the fake. No, okay. the real, <laughs> the real couche. And that's where you can get more updates, um, videos, behind the scenes, everything. Where we'll be, we're doing expos again this year. We're super excited about that. We'll be in Atlanta mm-hmm. later this month. Um, seeing women hugging again and smiling again and sharing again. So we're looking forward to being in front of everybody again for expos this year. So check out our Instagram. We're really active there. Um, or find me on LinkedIn, Kimba Williams. Uh, and it literally has like saving women one couche at a time. So you can't miss it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Kimba, yeah. thank you so much for sharing your story with us. So many nuggets all through the episodes. I know people are going to enjoy it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I hope that this has blessed someone or encouraged another woman or man that wants to take that leap and um, is really staring down the wall of you know faith or fear. I encourage you to go with faith. And I promise you that it usually will all work out. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you found this show helpful, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript. Or you can catch up on past episodes at She'sOffscript.com. All right, with that, we'll see you right back here next Thursday for another episode. Bye.